Good evening, everyone, and welcome. It is Texans All Access here from Orlando, Florida, the NFL annual meeting. That's what it's called, folks, the NFL annual meeting, not the owners' meetings. It's the annual meeting. Not to get too technical, but that's just the way it is. Mark Vandermeer with you. Great to have you listening tonight. We've got a very special show for you. And before I set up tonight, let me just tell you a couple of things about tomorrow night. Bill O'Brien is going to meet with the media tomorrow morning. They have a huge breakfast here. I won't tell you what's for breakfast, but I will tell you the coaches of all 32 teams are going to be here, allegedly. They're going to be here. O'Brien oh, will certainly be here, but I'm just saying allegedly because I was talking to some of my friends who cover the Patriots, and they won't. They were not so sure about Bill Belichick being here for that coach's breakfast tomorrow. But they do all 32 teams at once, and Bill O'Brien will be speaking with the media. That will be at around 6.30 Central. We'll get some tweets out and things like that out for you as he speaks, and we'll have, I think, the bulk of that tomorrow night on the program. I mean, I'm going to cut that up for you, get it ready so you can hear what the coach has to say about the Texans. You know the general is going to be sitting at the table asking plenty of questions as Mike Vrabel walks by here, current Tennessee Titans head coach, former Texans defensive coordinator, and it'll be fun tomorrow. Mike Vrabel will have a table tomorrow, and I'd like to go visit him, but I kind of want to get locked into what Coach O'Brien is saying about the Texans. Also on tomorrow night's program, we will have Brian Gain, general manager of your Texans, so we'll hear what he has to say here at the owners' meetings. Following the wave of free agency signings, Tyron Matthew, the rest of it, everybody. Now, a couple of things. I'll get into this more as the program progresses and a little bit more tomorrow night and certainly a lot more on Thursday when I'm hosting with John McClain and maybe some with Johnny on Wednesday as well. John Harris, you remember him, right? I know he usually anchors Mondays, but since I'm here in Orlando with the whole mishbucha, that's kind of a Yiddish word for family, the whole NFL family, I thought I'd kind of take over the program and do it from here tonight. Now, I get to do a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff that a lot of the media doesn't get to do. In fact, all the media. Unless you're a club executive and, well, club executives get to do this, so that's it. I mean, it has nothing to do with media. I think I was the only NFL play-by-play guy in the room last night and this morning when the league went through its sort of semi-State of the Union address for league executives. Now, that's not exactly a, a media event. I can't tweet or periscope or snap face, as Bill O'Brien would say. But I can't tell you this. It's really interesting to be part of those things because they do talk about the state of the league. And I've been to six of these now. It's not like the general's been to 45 of them. Maybe not that many, but he's been to a whole lot of them. But I've been to six of these now, and I can tell you, I wrote about this on HoustonTexans.com. I don't know if it's up right now, but it should be very soon if it's not already. And the focus on digital media, social media, of course, player safety is a huge issue and will continue to be. They continue to work on that. Uh, But talking about various topics like that is very important to these owners, executives. It's not just owners. It's executives. It's coaches. It's general managers. Everybody's very concerned and always about the expansion, the future, the improvement of the game of professional football. And those are among the topics that we'll be hitting on tonight. And let's get to our first guest right now. By the way, an old buddy, Dave Zangaro, used to work for NBC Sports Houston. Really, that's what it would be called today. It was CSN Houston. He's in Philly now. We'll talk to him on the program. Uh, My buddy Jeff Joniak, voice of the Chicago Bears, he's on tonight as well. Let's start out, though, with you've seen him a lot 
a national media guy, Sirius XM NFL Radio, works for the Buffalo News as well, used to work with the Cleveland Browns media set. Vic Carucci, you see him on all those top ten shows and everything. He's a Bills expert. He's an NFL expert. But I sat down with him earlier, and we started off talking about the catch rule. He tweeted out today that with the new wording of the catch rule, the Kelvin Benjamin reception in the Patriots game at New England, Bills Patriots at New England, would have been a catch. It was ruled incomplete after it went to New York. We started off there. Yeah, uh, and it's become a very interesting story in Buffalo because on December 24th, it seemed like everyone in the entire world knew that Kelvin Benjamin had a touchdown except Al Riveron, the head of officiating, who in New York made the decision after the officials at Gillette Stadium ruled touchdown, put the arms up. Uh, he, he says it's not a touchdown and explains that his foot didn't make contact with the end zone while he was in control of the ball. All this nonsense that has been worded uh, removed in the rewriting of that uh, catch rule now. So today, when Al, or on, uh, on uh, Tuesday, uh, Monday, when Al Riveron is meeting with reporters and specifically asked, is the Calvin Benjamin uh, a touchdown catchdown? That's a touchdown. And he said it mm-hmm. so affirmatively. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it did no good because, you know, taking that touchdown away, I'm not saying it would have changed the outcome of the game. The Bills lost a pretty lopsided, it was, what, 37-16, that score. But it was Fox still Road. very much in doubt they, at that point. They, they would have had a, the lead mm-hmm. going into halftime. Yeah. It would have been a 17-13 Buffalo lead. Now, m- the players, I, I will tell you this, players were absolutely dispirited, and they were angry. I mean, I've never, I, I'm not sure in all my years of covering football that I've had as many players openly criticize uh, an officiating decision as those players did. They were angry. They felt that the league had it in for them. And that was their focus after mm-hmm. the game rather than, uh, you know, what, what players tend to do. I think what coaches prefer players do, and that is, you know, point the finger at yourself if right. you lose. Don't don't blame anybody else, and, and certainly don't be so vocal criticizing officiating. Uh, well, they didn't – it wasn't the officials on scene that they were upset, upset with, but they were upset with the league. Anyway, uh, I think this is smart. I think that the tweaking and the, the, the lawyering, I call it, of, of rules where there's so much um, – adjusting and 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 uh, moving deleting of words and adding of more words mm-hmm. i think the language just got so complicated for that particular play catch or no catch that it became a real turnoff i th- i think yeah. that's one of the things that hurt this league uh with fans and and fortunately for the league's sake they've they've come come around to seeing it differently it was something they could fix so they did so as a person who covers the bills and you see the patriots twice a year how much longer do you think this goes on? Yeah, uh, so you, if we can figure out how long Tom Brady is going to be a quarterback yeah. or, or Bill Belichick, a coach, or both, uh, that that's the key here. I see it as, um, first of all, something that's not going to end anytime soon. I think Tom Brady is set to play at least three more years. It just seems that way, the way he's kept himself in shape, his desire, his hunger to play this game, uh, his ability to stay in one piece and upright, and a lot of that is how he gets rid of the ball. A lot of it is how he sees the rush coming at him. I mean, you can defend yourself in so many ways, and he does that. Um, so I, I think for the rest of but but I do think, Mark, the time is coming where Buffalo, uh, the Jets, this draft, and, how, and what it might render in the way of a quarterback uh, and other help that teams are getting, um, I, think, I think you're getting closer, certainly the clock ticking, in New England on the end of the Brady slash Belichick era, but two, um, 
the fact that I think a couple of teams like like Buffalo, like the Jets, could be moving up into the the, the territory of competing with with, uh, with the Patriots. When you see the Texans, Vic Vic Carucci joining us, Buffalo News and Sirius XM NFL Radio. What are your thoughts? You see Deshaun Watson. They're on the Bills schedule this year. What do you think? Well, I, I see Deshaun Watson, and I see just uh, a transformative talent, uh, somebody who is so exciting and so fun. I thought one of the worst things that happened to the NFL in 2017 was Watson suffering that injury, was, was having his season end so abruptly. And I remember being in the press box for a Thursday night game. Uh, the Bills were playing the Jets. Mm-hmm. Uh, and before kickoff, that news breaking. And I, I, I was just in my own mind deflated uh, about the, the rest of the season because I was excited for what he would bring to the table and what he had already brought. Uh, and he was a player, frankly, that I, a lot of people who follow the Bills, uh, fans of the Bills, and those of us who cover the Bills, talked about, you know, wasn't that, shouldn't, it, shouldn't that have been someone that Buffalo uh, had a chance to get and should have gotten, and, and how different that would have been uh, maybe made for the fortunes at Buffalo. But anyway, um, his return to full health and the fact that he's been, you know, he, he, I think, can now feel more ownership of it being his team mm-hmm. uh, and the trust that I'm sure Bill O'Brien and that coaching staff have in him and the, and, the, and the chemistry that they're building and have a chance to build once they get to, of course, work together. The rules of the offseason are, are what they are. I, I still think it's silly that you you got to have n- no contact until, what, April. Uh, but I think this guy is special. I think the team it's going to show in, in the results on the field. Uh, and, and the other thing I would tell you is Brian Gain, as general manager, uh, I, got, I, got to, I knew him, of him and knew him on a cursory basis when he was in Miami, but he spent that year in Buffalo in their front office, and uh, you, you know there's something special about this guy. The knowledge that he has, the competence that he has, the vision that he has, I think it's going to be very good for this Texans team. Vic Carucci from the Buffalo News and Sirius XM NFL Radio with us on Texans Radio. Your general take on, on where the Bills are headed in 2018 here after free agency prior to the draft. Yeah, I think oh, the big picture is as an organization, I, I think they're on the right trajectory. I think the uh, arrival of Sean McDermott as head coach of Brandon Bean as general manager, first of all, have two people who are very much aligned, as you would expect, two that worked together for six years in Carolina while Brandon was, uh, excuse me, while Sean was the defensive coordinator mm-hmm. and Brandon Bean was in the front office uh, mo- more recently there as assistant GM. And they obviously, in their time together, talked a lot about what their vision would be if they had the chance to finally ascend to those spots that they have now. And when when Sean got the job, uh, it was immediately assumed that Brandon would follow, and which he ended up doing. And when you see the program that they put together, it, it sounds so much like a cliche. We've all heard it. They're going to change the culture. And we always talk about that like it really means something. In this mm-hmm. case, though, Mark, I really believe it, uh, it has uh, because there's a different feel in the building. And a, a, the players that they've uh, they, they've cleared out a lot who did not uh, seem to have that connection of team first. Uh, Sean's favorite phrase is one eleven. Um, and, and again, these things sound corny, but they they have a lot of truth to them, a lot of merit to them. So you feel that difference. Uh, the fact that they made the playoffs, I think, was not something they were even banking on as as those who put the program together. And it happened by 
a miraculous circumstance with Andy Dalton fourth and eleven touchdown pass, but it it uh, so so it it led to I think some conclusions among fans that they're probably closer to being a contender than they really are. They're 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 not. They've got a lot of holes to fill. Uh, they've got a lot of work to do in and they've done a good portion of it in free agency. They got a lot of it to do in the draft. Nine picks in the first five rounds. So I, I think the the uh, methodical building of this team and, and the way they're mapping it out um, has the, the ability, and I still I, I reserve judgment on who they get in there, but has the ability to be sustainable success. Well, you've covered the team for a long time. I know you had the Cleveland Browns experience for a while as well, and the league at large, Vic. But when you look at the history of this franchise, when they were so terrific, Jim Kelly was pulling the trigger. And when you look at the quarterback situation now, what about the current plan at quarterback in Western New York? Uh, the current plan would be for the team to, first of all, go with A.J. McCarron in the short term. I mean, he was signed uh, to be the guy, the, the, this bridge, I believe, mm-hmm. and the contract uh, that he has stay, says that. I mean, it, it, it's, it's a two-year, $10 million deal. Uh, could be worth more, but as it stands right now, it's that kind of a deal that, that tells you he's here to keep the seat warm. Uh, the draft very much is how they want to go about addressing the quarterback position. So they made the trade with Cincinnati uh, recently to give up the 21st overall pick in Cordy Glenn, the left tackle, to move up to the 12th spot, which Cincinnati had. That was done with an idea that I think absolutely shortened the distance between whatever it would take to go from 12 to uh, a spot to get a shot at one of the so-called big four, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Sam Darnold, we know who they are, Josh Rosen, Josh Allen, or Baker Mayfield. Um, I'm not sure that that's still going to happen because of what the Jets did, moving from sixth sixth to third with their trade with Indianapolis, uh, and maybe puts them in a position where they're going to grab a quarterback or take one of those quarterbacks away that Buffalo uh, would have otherwise had counted on and, and maybe, you know, and, and then to move to maneuver ahead of them, either in spots one or two, I think would take so much, so much in the way of assets starting to mortgage your future in the next year that I can't really see them go, getting into the business of doing that Buffalo. So it'll be interesting, uh, Mark, whether or not they can completely address the position the way they want to hope that maybe someone falls to them, i.e. Uh, Baker Mayfield mm-hmm. um, or, or again, trade. Maybe it's up to the fifth spot and it doesn't require giving away assets in 2019. Excellent. Vic, thanks so much for the time. We appreciate My it. My pleasure, Mark. That's Vic Carucci of the Buffalo News and Sirius XM NFL Radio. Great to visit with him. Now let's dig into the Eagles a little bit. A team, another team, that's on the Texans' schedule this coming season. As Houston will go to the link, we'll talk with Dave Zangaro about them and hit on various topics associated with these meetings and the league at large. It's all happening tonight from Orlando on Texans Radio. Having fun here at the NFL annual meeting in Orlando, Florida, as owners, GMs, coaches, executives converge on this hotel to talk about what is going on in the National Football League. One thing about the catch rule that's interesting, when you talk about some of these catches that weren't, it's always the receiver's name. You know, if you say Des Bryant, everybody knows what you're talking about. If you say Jesse James, 
They don't think Wild West villain. They think, oh, that should have been a catch for the Steelers against the New England Patriots. If you say Kelvin Benjamin, that's a little more esoteric. We covered that with Vic Carucci in the last segment. But people generally who follow the league closely generally know what you mean. Now let's get to our next guest here, Dave Zangaro, formerly of CSN Houston, now with NBC Sports Philadelphia. Good guy, covers the league. Dave, how's it going? Going good, Mark. How are you? Every time I see you at one of these things, it's like a big reunion. It is. You know? And then we see Palmer, and we see all these people, and uh, all you guys from the from the artist formerly known as CSN Houston. Yeah. Things have changed. A lot's changed since then, huh? But, mm-hmm. you know, that was a, it's always fun to see everyone from Houston and kind of reminisce about But to be honest, when I was there, the team was not very good. I was there during the 2013 season. Yeah, that was, that was not a good it wasn't season. A, it wasn't a great season. Didn't like that season it, so much. It started much, off Dave. great. Mm-hmm. Those, those two wins. <laughs> Yeah, and then every week you thought oh, this is the week they're gonna they're gonna figure this out. Kind of slid out of control a little bit. Yeah. Actually, did not even kind of. <laughs> now you're in Philadelphia now. NBC Sports Philadelphia just coming off that Eagles Super Bowl run. Texans play the Eagles this coming season, mm-hmm. so that'll be interesting up there. But just if you could share a little bit about the ebb and flow of that season last year and, and how it all went down, because it really was miraculous in many ways how the Eagles got there and won it. Yeah, I mean, some days I wake up and I still quite don't know how it happened. Right. Uh, because, you know, they started off the season with mild expectations. They have a quarterback going into year two, which the Texans are going to have this year, obviously, with an injury right. attached to it. But they have a quarterback going into year two who's already shown signs of being really good. So you think all of your... Your hopes and dreams of this season are on this kid's shoulder. So it starts off good. He's playing great, playing at an MVP level. And then other guys start to go down. You know, they lose Jason Peters. They lose Darren Sproles. They lose some big pieces. Jordan Hicks, they lose big pieces to that puzzle. And you think the reason they're able to keep going is because of Carson Wentz. And then he goes down. Yeah. And everyone's thinking, all right, this is – it was nice while it lasted. But, but they're definitely done. Right. Um and they looked it. I mean, the first game they played with Nick Foles, it, it didn't look pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, he had his struggles, but uh, it really kind of shows you that if a team can insulate themselves enough and believe in the guys who are filling in, they, they can be all right. It's tough to do that. Right. And it's it's tough to overcome those types of injuries. But um, the way the Eagles did it, it was spectacular. It really was. And to see them not just win with Nick Foles, but to blow the Vikings out in the NFC Championship game, and then win a football game. A lot of people thought they couldn't possibly get in a shootout with Tom Brady. If they get in a shootout with Tom Brady, they're done. Mm -hmm. But then what happens? Nick Foles gets in a shootout with Tom Brady, and somehow they come out on top. It really was an incredible season, and it's it's still kind of wild to think that that's the way it went. Dave Zangaro joining us, NBC Sports Philadelphia. So what about Doug Peterson? What's he like to be around on a regular basis? He's a fun guy. And you, you hear the, the term players coach, mm-hmm. and that's him. I mean, he's his guys love playing for him. Um, and there's reasons behind that. He, he kind of trusts them. One of the first things he did when he got in Philly was he created this, uh, this players group. It's the veteran players on the team, and he kind of elected these guys to be the the go-betweens. He wants to talk to those guys every day and kind of get a temperature of the locker room. So it's those types of things um, that have made him really stand out as a coach. And, of course, you can get into the the offensive play calling. He's obviously done a really good job there. But to me, the more impressive thing about him is the way he handles his players. I think that, more than anything, has made him uh, a really good coach in this league. 
Back to the Wentz thing a little bit and Foles along with that. Foles, to me, is a great story about a guy just sticking with it. You know, he's got some ability. It looked like his career might be not over, but his career as a starter, certainly. And here he is doing what he did. What do you think is the key to all that for a player like that as you covered him and watched him flourish as the season went on? It's interesting. And I, I always go back with Nick Foles to the day after the Super Bowl. No, no one had slept. The players hadn't slept. The coaches hadn't slept. I certainly hadn't slept. Mm. And uh, Nick Foles is at this press conference to, to receive his MVP trophy the next morning. And I'll never forget what he said that morning. He said um, someone asked him, you know, what do you want people to take away from your journey? And he said – I'm paraphrasing, but he said failure is a part of everything. He said, if I didn't fail, if I didn't get to the lowest of lows, I wouldn't have been the same guy. So, uh, And he did. I mean, when he was with the Rams, it was a bad situation. He played poorly. He didn't like being there. It was so bad that he thought about retiring. Um, so to go from that to then hoisting the Lombardi Trophy and then getting the Super Bowl MVP, it it's really is incredible. Um, obviously, he didn't do it on his own. I think the, the coaching staff from a schematic standpoint, really helped him. Um, and I think that's why some teams might still be hesitant about trying him as a starter again because he has failed as a starter. But um, I think he has it in him. And I think that if it doesn't happen this season, it's going to happen next season when he hits the free agent market. Someone's going to give him an opportunity to be a starter again. Dave Zangaro joining us, NBC Sports Philadelphia. All right, so the Texans are going to play the Eagles on the road, only the third ever visit for the Texans to the city of brotherly love, as they call it. They played at the Vet No. 2. They played at the Link in 2010. Michael Vick was the quarterback for the Eagles then. Some things about Philadelphia. Is it mythology, how rough the fans can be, how tough the fans are, or do they play it up because they have that reputation? What is it really like to be at a Philadelphia sports event, particularly an Eagles game? I'll tell you what, it's not the vet. The vet was something special. I mean, the vet very infamously had a cell in the bowels of that stadium Mm. for a reason. Uh, Yeah, I mean, some of it's partially true. You know, some stereotypes are based in reality, and I think this one kind of is. But I think fans also get a pretty bad rap. I mean... Uh, yeah, it's not a fun place to go as a visiting fan. But I think that's part of home field advantage, and I think that's part of uh, the way Eagles fans want, not not for other fans to be scared to go to the stadium, but they want it to be a slightly uncomfortable experience. And I think they do that. Sometimes, of course, people cross the line, and that happens mm-hmm. at every stadium, maybe a little bit more in Philadelphia, but I don't think it's uh, an overwhelming majority or anything like that for the most part. The fans in Philly are great, and they support their team, and uh, they'll let you know if you're supporting the wrong team at the at the ball game. How do you think the division plays out in the NFC East? Texans are playing all four teams, obviously. Yeah, it's a tough one to figure out, um, and I was dead wrong about it last year. I want to put that out there first. I mm-hmm. thought the Giants were going to have a really good team, and they were, of course, not very good at all. Right. Um, the Cowboys need to have a bounce-back year. They obviously haven't done a ton in free agency and have a ton of cap room. Um, Washington's an interesting one because the quarterback situation has obviously changed. Kirk Cousins is gone. Alex Smith is in. So the division's up in the air. I think the Eagles are clearly the front runners to win it um, coming off the Super Bowl. But after that, I think any three of those teams, the Giants would need to have a real bounce back year. But mm-hmm. I think they're capable, too. Obviously, they have a, a situation with Odell Beckham Jr. they have to figure out. Right. But um, if he's back and, and if that team brings back the team they had last year. There was talent there. They just couldn't get it done on the field. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them at least be in the mix for a while. 
when you look at the AFC South covering the Philadelphia Eagles and covering that division, the NFC East, what do you think going into this year? Hmm. You know, the AFC South, it's funny because when I was in Houston, the AFC South was not a laughing stock, but it, it certainly wasn't the division it is now. To see Jacksonville do what they did last year was kind of fun uh, to see that, that kind of ground and pound style football mm-hmm. kind of take over. Uh, but the Texans obviously have a really good team. Uh, a lot's going to hinge on Deshaun Watson. A lot's going to hinge on if he's able to come back and be the same dynamic player. Because no one, people kind of forget outside of Houston. I'm sure in Houston people remember, but during last year, Deshaun Watson was incredible. I mean, he was doing things that have never been done by a rookie quarterback before. So if they get that guy back, and then to pair it with the defense, and there are a lot of question marks because you have injured players coming back. You're, you're hoping J.J. Watt can come back. You're, you're hoping the Honey Badger can be what he's made out to be. And let me tell you, that guy, when he's healthy, he, he's a fun player. He, he's most, one of the most versatile players, uh, secondary players in the league, and he can change the game. So to think about it, that defense on paper, uh, I'm probably preaching to the choir to people in Houston, but that defense on paper has a, a potential to be lethal. And uh, now it's time to see if they can keep it together and stay healthy because if they can, yeah, they should be right there. Dave Zangaro joining us from NBC Sports Philadelphia. All right, so you worked in Houston, you work in Philadelphia, and we mentioned the fans in Philly, but the sports town – Philly versus Houston. Compare and contrast. Oh, man, just moment. you're going to put me on the spot. Yeah, just for a moment here. It's, this is so tough because I grew up in Philly. Right. So I, I can't pick another sports town over the town because my friends will kill me. Right. This is where I get in And the I'm going to send this to all of them, yeah, by the way. Yeah, so, I mean, it, this is tough because Houston is a great sports town. I love my time there. Um, I'd, I'd have to put Philly just up a, a, a peg of above. It's okay. And that's just self, I understand. That's more self-preservation because I don't have plans to be in Houston anytime soon. I have to fly back to Philly in a couple of days. Okay, but uh, your reaction to seeing what the Astros did, what the Rockets are doing right now, and you just talked about what the Texans could potentially do. Sure. Um. Yeah, seeing the Astros and talk about a turnaround, they were a laughing stock when I was there. Mm-hmm. and uh, But they had a plan and they stuck with it. It's not unlike... Really, it's not unlike the plan the Philadelphia 76ers had in the whole trust the process. They kind of stripped it down to build it up. Yeah. Um, it, it takes guts. Their process worked. It, it did. <laughs> you know, it takes guts to to do those sort of things because it is it's a little unconventional, and it it's not something that you think is going to yield immediate results. So you have to have a patient fan base. You have to have a fan base that's smart enough to get what they're doing. See, the Astros was fun, and, and the Rockets – they're right there. They they certainly have a shot, mm-hmm. and, and that's fun. They're a fun team to watch too. Yeah, I think that's true about both the Astros and the Rockets. They're just fun to watch, and the Texans can be right there too because that defense is is going to fly around that field. Yep, and uh, we'll hope Watson does his thing. Dave, one more for you. The owners' meetings here. What are you really focusing? I know the Eagles' angle of it all, maybe reaction to what they've done, but. You have the catch rule. That's a big story coming out of here, maybe the big story. But what are your thoughts overall? Yeah, I mean, the catch rule is what everyone's going to talk about, and rightfully so. Um, I like the idea behind it. Um, I, I like the idea that let's simplify this thing because you and I know what a catch is. You throw me a ball, I catch it, that's a catch. Uh, so it's, it's gotten so convoluted. Um, I, I think they're still going to run into problems with it because unless you address the factor that replay plays in it, it mm-hmm. you're going to have trouble because – Things look different at normal speed than they do slowed down 50 times. So I, I think unless you really get to that point of it, 
it doesn't really matter. Um, maybe that's just the skeptic in me, but I think it's at least a step in the right direction with that rule. I, I want to see, uh, I want to see how it looks on the field. Dave, thanks a lot for joining us. No problem. It's been fun. Dave Zangaro of NBC Sports Philadelphia. I almost said Houston, but Philadelphia, where the Texans will be this fall at the link. The traveling Texans will be out there in force. Coming up next, my buddy Jeff Joniak, voice of the Chicago Bears. We talk about the league. We talk a little bit about Chicago. I mean, come on, we got to do it. We'll even throw in some baseball. How about that? Mixing it up in the last segment of Texans All Access coming up next on Texans Radio. We're in Orlando for the NFL annual meeting tonight, and let's get to my buddy Jeff Joniak, voice of the Chicago Bears. Jeff, how are you doing? Fantastic. How are things in Houston, my uh, friend? Things are very good in Houston. Now, in Chicago, I know you've been busy. You had a, a Bears trip down to the Dominican Republic. Right. You do that annually. That, that sounds Punta like Cana was this one. Yeah, I sounds know. Sounds like hard work. Well, it, it conflicted with the combine. So when I did yeah. get to the combine a little late, that's yeah. why I didn't see my good friend Mark Vandermeer. Uh it was uh, a lot of um, a lot of teasing going on that yeah. I would miss the combine I for know. a Bears fan trip on the beach in Punta Cana, but it was a great time. Uh, we had uh, Charles Leno Jr. and Akeem Hicks, two big personalities, Adrian Amos and Marcus Cooper all joined us with Anthony Adams, the ex-Bear, and uh, we had a good time. Fans loved it. The combine was weird for us because we don't have a first or second round draft choice, right? So that was a strange combine. But for the Bears, what do you guys got? Because you made a big deal to get Mitchell Trubisky last yes. year. So what? Well, we're, the draft we're number eight like? right now, so yeah. we're looking at another top ten pick, and you cannot have enough playmakers. And right now the Bears are still looking for some big-time playmakers. I think they dove into that significantly in free agency with the Allen Robinson signing, the Trey Burton signing right. uh, in Philadelphia, a guy who was uh, stuck behind two tight ends in terms of sharing the wealth a little bit, and mm-hmm. now he's going to be a, a primary focus in the Bears' new offense, whatever it may look like, with Matt Nagy as the play caller and head coach and Mark Helfrich coming from the college game and their offensive line coach, Harry Heastan, from Notre Dame, widely regarded as one of the premier, if not the premier offensive line coach in football. So they have a lot to work with now in terms of talent. Taylor Gabriel comes aboard as well. So they're rebuilding the offensive playmaking, and now mm-hmm. they have to add some pieces on defense a top 10 defense yardage-wise, I don't love that stat. Obviously, right. it's about preventing touchdowns. Yeah, but it but says they, something. It does. It certainly does. And, and, but they, they do need to replace some veteran outside linebackers to rush the passer and hope that their guys that uh, were injured a year ago come back healthy. Namely, Mr. Floyd's got to be uh, a terror on the outside rushing the quarterback from Georgia. I think you'll like Allen Robinson a lot. We've seen him for years as a Jaguar, and he's a terrific player, so I think that was a good pickup for the Bears. Jeff Joniak, voice of the Bears, joining us. Now, Trubisky, you get him, and he flashes, looks pretty good. Meanwhile, in Houston, we have Deshaun Watson, and he's flashing big time with 19 yeah. touchdown passes. What was the reaction in Chicago as all this is playing out during the regular season? Well, certainly there's a comparison contrast, mm-hmm. no doubt about it. Uh, the health of Watson clearly is now a, a question mark, I'd imagine, for folks. You've got to stay healthy. Well, all these quarterbacks who can move around and so forth. Um, but for Mitchell Trubisky, he is considered the franchise quarterback. Ryan Pace has gave him the keys to the, the team at the moment. Mm-hmm. He said it before the combine in his uh, interview with everybody, and it's Mitchell's team. They right. have given him the team. And it it's not like he's been given it and he didn't earn it or deserve it. He has organically achieved it because of how he is as a leader already as a young man. And that's all the stuff that we don't see. Right. Locker room, 
what he's like on the practice field. I will tell you, those things, in my opinion, do matter. Mm-hmm. You can't just say, okay, here's your guy, like him or lo-, you know, that whether you like it or not, he's your guy yeah. to the team. Right. Forget about his skill set and what he's capable of or what he's not capable of, but he did earn it, and he's going to have a lot more young additional talent that are going to know that he's the guy. And I think that will help him, give him a platform to move forward. But he's a stickler for detail. He's a blue-collar worker. He's first in, last out. I know that's cliche, too, but you have to be at the quarterback position. And Ryan Pace selected this guy because, in my opinion, he most reminded him of Drew Brees in terms of his work ethic, his character, how he goes about football, Mm -hmm. his love of the game. And he was with him in New Orleans, so he understands. Every mindset thought about quarterback play for for Ryan Pace comes from Drew Brees. He watched how he prepared and how he led, and I think he sees that in Mitchell Trubisky. Forget about skill set and how they play. It's just how they operate. Well, not a bad guy to model yourself after his behavior. Jeff Joniak, voice of the Bears, joining us. All right, so when you look at Trubisky and the fan relationship, what's that like? It's still so early, but they must have liked a lot of what they saw, and they're just waiting for the sophomore season. It started in preseason, Mm -hmm. obviously. He came in in a two-minute drill in uh, one of the early preseason games at Soldier Field. It was perfectly orchestrated by the coaching staff at that time, and he came right down the field and put that ball in the end zone for a touchdown, and everybody was super excited. And so then it became a matter of time, when is he going to play? Because that's all you got to do to the fan base and the media to, to give him a little love, a little right. appetizer. Right. And now Mike Lennon did not have a great start to the, the first four games of the year, and the change was made in week five. And now we're, now we're on the Trubisky train. So right. we got Trubisky Tuesdays in Chicago. We got, you know, it's all <laughs> about Mitchell. And he's embraced it. Mm-hmm. We had him on one of our Bears shows hey, on we radio. Need, we need Watson Wednesdays. There you go. Mm, interesting. <laughs> We, we, we had him on a Bears radio show here, and he's out in California training, and he's rooming with Jared Goff. Right. They share the same agent. So what better guy to learn for a year two platform jump than Jared Goff right now? And I, I think, you know, uh, with this league, the, you know, the cliche is the copycat league, and I don't want people to think, and I hopefully I don't think that in Chicago, that just because the Rams did it and jumped to the playoffs, it doesn't mean the Bears are going to. Right. But I think you build around this much like they did Carson Wentz in Philadelphia you have to give him some pieces to the puzzle we were woefully underperforming at the receiver position last year right injuries and whatnot circumstances not re-signing Alshon Jeffrey certainly uh, caused us to take a step back at the receiver position but now I think we've jumped back into that mix of okay we got a playmaker at receiver we got a slot guy for sure and Taylor Gabriel We've got a tight end who can move all over the field. We got the running game. We got Tariq Cohen. We got pieces. Right. Now, the division, Minnesota. How surprised were you that they did what they did? Case Keenum ends up going elsewhere to the Denver Broncos, and Minnesota goes all in on Kirk Cousins. I wasn't surprised because I know Rick Spielman very well. I know George Payton very well, and they're mm-hmm. never satisfied at the quarterback position. I mean, you think about it. All three of those quarterbacks got jobs. Right. You know, they varying levels of payment, mm-hmm. uh, but they all got jobs, and they've been constantly in search of that. So they're not stopping until they get the right guy. Now they feel they got the right guy. They invested, obviously, a significant amount and a guaranteed contract that will kind of change the, the landscape of the NFL, I do believe, for the quarterback position at right. a minimum and maybe only the quarterback position. But I think these guys are all going to get three-year guarantees right away yep. when they sign their long-term contract. So, um I don't know. There's varying opinions when you talk about Kirk Cousins from people and how 
he is and what actually he is. I don't know that we really know just yet what he is. Uh, but in Minnesota, they're going to give him every opportunity. they got weapons galore. All right, a couple of other divisional questions. Jeff Joniak, voice of the Chicago Bears, with us. You see Matthew Stafford twice a year, and he's making a lot of money. I, I don't want to get into the money stuff. Well, the stuff. whole division. We're yeah, have... we got Aaron Rodgers, Stafford, Trubisky. Brad Biggs of the Tribune just wrote this today. Okay. So the highest-paid quarterback has been Matthew Stafford in the league. Right. Highest-paid quarterback now per annual right. is Kirk, Kirk Cousins. Cousins, and it's going to be Aaron Rodgers Yeah. when he renegades. Mm-hmm. So the division – and Trubisky's early round yeah, draft, which, early first round draft. Which, tour. as you have in Houston with Deshaun, it's wonderful to have a quarterback you don't have to pay $100 million a year to. Right. So, or $100 million contract. So you can now add stuff and build towards what ultimately becomes a $100 million contract for a quarterback. So it is interesting. We've got some really good quarterbacks. The weaponry around them is good, too. I think at Green Bay they got to rebuild a little bit, uh, especially – you know, offensive line. You know, everybody forgets the offensive line. Same with Minnesota. Yeah. The offensive line still is a, a bit questionable. Uh, Detroit seemingly has pieces to be an average team, and they just can't get over the hump. It seems to be an annual thing for Detroit, and we just we're we're rebuilding without rebuilding. How know? do you regard Stafford, though? Because you see him twice a year. He makes all that money. Well, he is very killed good. Us. Great. He has killed he's you. Killed. He's done it at the last minute, too. He's, mm-hmm. he's great in the clutch. Every, okay. No one can deny his ability in the clutch. He's been great in the clutch. Um, and it's all on his shoulders, obviously, but it's just not him. I mean, he's not Tom Brady. He can't right. do it all by himself. Uh, I, 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 for me, the jury is still out on Matthew Stafford. Mm-hmm. And is, he, is he able to take you to a Super Bowl and win it? I don't know. Now, I had Peyton How do you Man- feel? Well, with Stafford, it's, it's hard to say. You know, I work with Andre Ware. He loves his arm strength and everything, and you do see him make a lot of plays, and I think that team's, has been, that team's been so incomplete for so well, many years. You know where it's incomplete is the running game. We're running, like, I was just going to bring give, that up. Give the yeah. man a running game. But like, i got to tell you, when we played them in 12 in the Thanksgiving game, Andre and I were watching that team warm up, the Lions, and we thought, this is a Super Bowl team. I mean, just yeah. about. They had almost everything you could possibly want. And they just sort of underachieved uh, for what they were trying to accomplish. I mean, he had Calvin Johnson. I'll take Calvin Johnson every day. And, yep, and pretty good. Not, you know, just like you had Andre. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're going to be in every game if you have Calvin Johnson. I mean, if you had to Johnson. rate the top five receivers of the last 15 years, those two are in the top five. There's no question about it. Not even a conversation. What about Aaron Rodgers, though? Because I had Peyton Manning in the division for so long, and you're just terrified every time he has the ball. You want Ditto. the ball back on third down, you can't Ditto. get it, and you go through that hell twice a yeah. year with Aaron Rodgers. Okay, Aaron Rodgers against the Bears. Mm-hmm. I don't have the stat off the top of my head, but before the Bears could ever even get on the board, the Packers would have a two-score lead. It could be 10, it could be 14, it could be – but this right. is – and they they love playing on – Aaron's deadly playing on the lead. Right. Okay, you're pretty much cooked. And that has been the situation. Aaron Rodgers can move up and down the field to start a game, and now you're digging out of a hole, and now their defense can tee off and do whatever. Uh, He scares me. I Mm -hmm. still believe, I know this is Tom Brady goes to championships Mm -hmm. and wins championships, but Aaron Rodgers, in my opinion, is still the best quarterback in the National Well, you have company. A lot of people think that. He can kill you. I can still see the play that knocked us out. And I knocked us out of the playoffs a couple years back. I can see the whole play. I can tell you mm-hmm. every little detail of that play. And he picks away at the, the slightest mistake. Yep. And ours was a safety coming down from the post and watching Randall Cobb run down the seam uncovered, sliding to his left. And John Kuhn. 
clips at the last second, a blitzing linebacker, and Julius Peppers just went a little bit too much slanting inside, and Aaron Rodgers got away and threw on the run, and boom, I yeah. can see the whole thing, and my whole season going by. I mean, that's what he does. The maestro. All right, Jeff Joniak, voice of the Bears, joining us. Chicago, just a quick note on this, because I've asked you about this from time to time. Give me a little temperature of the current sports landscape. You know, I don't Chicago? think we've, we've spoken about this since the Cubs did what they did. Wow. They, and, you know, they now we have the right. Astros doing what they did. Yeah. And then you have pro football versus all of that. And, and it's Houston, still a Bears town. It's still a Bears town. So when the yeah. Bears win, everybody's happy. Everything yeah. feels good. Mm-hmm. The, the week's better on Monday morning. No yeah. matter what you're doing in your life, whether you love it or hate it. Right. Uh, you know, you're feeling good. You got a little hop, skip in your jump. Uh the Cubs, though, they're going to be they're going to threaten again this mm-hmm. year. They are a World Series contender for sure. Their 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 entire rotation is supreme. Their lineup, top to bottom, loaded. They're going to hit a lot of home runs. Their leadoff man, Ian Happ, who will you know, he'll rotate with others, but he could hit 30 home runs out of the leadoff spot. He's got six spring homers. Many of them were leadoff homers uh, at the last check, anyway. Uh, Bulls are in the rebuild. Yep. They're hoping, you know, fans don't want them to win another game so they get a highest, you know, possible ability in what the a, draft. What a I hate that concept. Situation. Yeah, I don't like that. Yeah. I don't even like hearing about that. Blackhawks are also, mm-hmm. you know, having to reload a little bit. They put a lot of miles on those skates with their star players going to the playoffs, deep into the playoffs almost every year that, you know, now things have to be re- reestablished with some more Do they talent. talk about the Blackhawks on Chicago Sports Talk Radio? When things I mean, are hockey, hot, yeah. hockey's tough to it talk is about. Tough. It is tough. But there is a pocket that loves it. But, yeah, yeah it's course. not discussed quite a bit. And mm-hmm. then the White Sox are trying to do what the Cubs did and just loading up with as much great talent as possible in their farm system. And they're, right. they're going to bloom in a couple of years, too, maybe sooner than later. So the Bears have an opening mm-hmm. right now, uh, and as do the Cubs. But no matter what, when, when the Bears win a Super Bowl, right. town will go nuts. All right, one note. You said, Matt, is it Nagy or Nagy? Officially, I just had him at the, Bear, the Bears had a business summit that I emceed, and he was our our last guest of the day. And so I put him on. You know, it's it's Negi. Negi. It's spelled Negi. Like Negi. Negi. You know what it is? It's where he's from, Central Pennsylvania. Oh, that's you it. You know, is there's yeah. a certain accent to it? They're drinking Yinglings, and right. they're yeah. And Vic Fangio's from that area, right? And you know, so um, yes, and and <laughs> folks are gonna like this coach. He's very aggressive thought process. Mm-hmm. I think he's aggressive play, play caller. Uh, he, he's come from very good stock, you know, coming from Andy Reid's uh, philosophy and with Doug Peterson yep. being touched by that guy as well. It's a well. good tree. And he's a, he comes from a blue-collar, hard-working area. And, you know, I came you across the Mike Holmgren tree, really, when you're dealing with Andy Reid and Peterson and all those guys? Sure. The tree's blooming big, yeah. though. Yep. I mean, you got Sean McDermott. You got, you got a lot of guys from Andy yeah. Reid. Mm-hmm. Ron Rivera. You got <laughs> Doug Peterson. I'm probably missing somebody. But uh, the bigger picture focus is, like, I look at, uh, there was a YouTube video of Matt playing arena football, and he was mic'd up. He, he was a tough hombre, man. Yeah. He was. Oh, he that's was a good a, video. And he huh? was, i got to check that out. He was... He was a leader, and he was he was getting in people's face. Let's go! And so, I think he learned about a lot about quarterback play from the Arena League and how he now transitions into pro football and what he wants from his quarterback. So it's a good template, so to speak, to look at. You know, get rid of the ball quick and mm-hmm. take some chances. A la Kurt Warner back in the Arena League back in the day. So we'll see. I don't know how it's all going to play out. I don't even know what this offense is going to look like. 
as I said earlier at the outset, it's a blend of all these different philosophies. Think about Mark Helfrich. Like yep. You think, okay, it's just wide open, up-tempo Oregon, but, you know, they ran the heck out of the ball. Oh, they like to run it, yeah. So and I'm an old-school guy. I mm. still want to run the ball between the tackles. I think every coach, no matter how much he throws it, wants to run it. Look at the great running uh, – look at the great throwing offenses of all time. Look at Air Coriel. Look at the greatest show on turf. They still ran the ball. Niners. Greatest show on turf also played some D, too. Yeah, you got to do about. that. You got to do mm. that. And, you know, the Bears have, again, pieces in place. Guy's got to really bloom. Jeff, thanks a lot for joining Thank us. Thank you. Appreciate it. Jeff Joniak, voice of the Chicago Bears. All right, that's going to do it for the show tonight. Tomorrow night, Bill O'Brien, Brian Gain will get to the Texans peeps tomorrow night from Orlando. Thank you, everyone, for participating in the program tonight. Galata at Night is next. Go Texans.